Well, good morning. My name is Mark, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you didn't know that, that means you're probably a visitor, and we appreciate your attendance uh, here today. As Pastor Mike has probably already told you, if you fill one of those cards out and place them in the offering plate, get to know you a little better, we'd love for you to do that. Take a coffee mug on the, on the way out. We got some by this door and by that door as our gift to you. We appreciate that uh, very much. At the end of the service, we're going to be baptizing six people, uh, four adults and uh, two children, and uh, we're looking forward uh, to that. We are in the middle of a sermon series. We preach in, in series here, and um, we're in a series called Five Words, and five words that will make your family better. Now, sometimes you hear sermon series that like uh, five words that will change your life. Well, I'm not sure there's any five words out there that'll totally change your life, okay? Or, or 30 days to a new you. I don't want to build it up too much, but I do know that this sermon series will make your family better. And I do know that this sermon series and putting these five words into play in your family will make your family function better. It won't function great because you're in it, your family, okay? And I'm in mine. So because we're are going to mess up our families uh, in some way or not. It's not going to function super. It's not going to function great. But you know what? Uh, it's going to function better. It's one of the most difficult things to get to function properly. But these five words will help you. If you are just now kind of coming in on this series right now, you can go on uh, zinyanaz.org and scroll down to the sermons and hear those first two messages. And um, both of those will impact you. I know if you take the time to listen to those, you can forward or email those to somebody that, uh, that could be impactful too. But today's word is uh, something I'm really excited about preaching. I'm actually probably more excited about preaching this word than I am about the first two, even though I think they're all equally truthful. This word I'm preaching today is an ancient word. Uh, it's been around as long as words have been around. You've been saying this word about as long as uh, you've been uh, talking. Uh, it's a word that's not very popular. It's a word that people will frown at you. It's certainly not a politically correct word. Um, some people will, if you say this word, will talk behind your back. Some people that you'll say this word will ostracize you. Uh, some people that if you say this word, you will not please them. And if you're a people pleaser, that's going to be really hard for you. But this word absolutely can make your family function better. In fact, I say the better usage of this word and a lot of stuff that we've got going on in our culture, from political things to family things, will get better. It's not a real hard word to say. You put your tongue at the top of your mouth and and you kind of get your lips in a, a little fashion like you're going to kiss somebody and blow some air out and drop your tongue and say, no. <laughs> I know you don't hear that word very often. It's a nasty word. That word will make your family better. That word will make a lot of things in your life better. That word would make a lot of things in this world uh, better. That word would make Washington, D.C. better if we can be able to say no. You know, it's, when you say no, you say that's a negative, negative word, and you hear, I don't know how close you follow pol politics. Uh, 
the Republican Party and now probably the Democratic Party was called the party of no. You know, you say no to the other party. But when you think about it, uh, no is just not no. And if you, if you think of no as just no, then it will be a negative word. It will be a harsh word. Uh, the ability to say this word uh, shows a lot about your emotional and your spiritual maturity. But it's just not negative. It's just not harsh. In fact, in fact, it can be the one of the most loving words that you will ever, ever say. Um, because, and the reason it's not harsh is because a no should always point to a yes. And that's my premise the whole day. And you may have to change the way you think about no. Because when you say no, you're actually pointing to a yes. When you say no to something, you're actually giving time, giving permission to say yes to something that is better or that is best in your life. Every no that is worth anything should point to a yes. I'm saying no to this so I can say yes to this. I'm saying no to using my time this way, so I'm saying yes to using my time this way. I'm saying no to this in my marriage, so our marriage will be a better yes. I'm saying no to this in my parenting, so my kids will be pointed toward the best. And I'm saying no even to a good thing, not a bad thing, not a sinful thing, but it's not the best thing. And if I say yes to everything, when the best things come across my path, I won't have time in my schedule to say yes to them. So many times I have to say no to the good things so I can say yes to the best things. And that's our premise to the whole thing. Like it's not as negative, harsh word, no, no. And the kids, kids are kids in the same way that we were when we were kids and they hated the nose and they tried to whine out of the nose and, and negotiate out of the nose. But the important thing, and, and they'll never fully understand it to their parents, but the important thing is that no that you say to your children points to a yes. That no that you're saying to, the, to your child, it may be a bad thing, it could be a great thing, but there's something better here. And that's why I'm saying no, because there's something better down the path. Now, there's a lot of places in Scripture that we can go in and launch from on this, because there's no's all the way throughout Scripture. In fact, when you look at Jesus' life, I went through the Gospels this week, and I counted 29 times, and I bet you a dollar to a donut that I missed some, okay? And so 29 times that Jesus said no. And he may not have said that word N-O, but what he was meaning by his response was absolutely no. When, when I've when I, I could go back even farther than this, but the first no I thought of this week as I was trying to work this message through my head is comes in the Ten Commandments. And, and, and the fourth commandment is, is, a, is a no to your normal routine. That's the commandment that said, that said back in the Old Testament times that um, six days you shall work and on the seventh day you should just crank down. And on the seventh day, you should uh, have a, we, the Old Testament word was, word was a Sabbath. And what we were saying on that day, we were saying no to the normal routine. We were saying no to work. No to the normal everyday in and out of life so we can say yes to something better. And that yes would be recharging, refreshing. That yes would have been in Old Testament times to focus on God on that Sabbath day. 
But that was a huge thing in the Old Testament. We've got that scripture, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. It's here on your screen right there. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Sabbath comes from a word that literally means stop or rest. That's, that's where the word comes from. So we remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Next verse. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Six days you should work and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you should, you should not do any work, neither should your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant. Hey, God was serious about that, not even your animals. See, there's a principle of rest. There's a principle of, 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 of getting away from the normal routine for a healthy reason to be able to crank down and to be able to get away from the normal hurry, the normal busy, the normal 45, 50-hour work week, the normal stuff of life, changing my oil, running my errands, mowing my grass, doing all that. There must be a time you crank it down. That's the principle that runs through Scripture. You know what I found out about that? If I don't, and I found this out in 2002, if, if I didn't crank it down, which I didn't, I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off, I, I just graduated seminary, a uh, four-year seminary degree in three years, pastored two churches, just went down to Georgia to do the most difficult thing you could ever do, and that started a brand new church, and I was running around going nuts, and in 2002, my I wouldn't stop, my body and my emotions forced me to stop. And if you don't stop yourself, your body and your emotions one day will force you to stop. You'll get sick. You'll get sick. The principle, Old Testament and New, and it works out differently in the New Testament, is there is a period of rest. And the scripture continues about even foreigners residing in your town. You shouldn't, you got to let them crank down, give them some downtime as well. What do we have up here? For six days, it goes back to the creation. For six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. And therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, why did God rest? Was he tired? Did he have to wipe the sweat off of his brow? Of course he didn't. He was setting an example for you and for me that in our normal routine of life, there is a time when we must crank it down. Can I tell you, please, that the time when you get closer to your kids, when the times that you get closer to your wife, that you get closer to your husband, the time when you build relationships and you're really exercising love in that family and you get to know one another better, that always happens in downtime. That always happens when you have intentionally stopped. That doesn't happen when I'm working 45 and 50 hours a week and got this meeting here and that meeting here and I got to get home and mow the grass because it's going to rain for the next three days. That's what the schedule said anyway. And, and, then, and then I start to mow the grass and, and the whole blade goes out on me and I've got to run and do this. You don't build relationship with your children that way. And you got meetings here and meetings there and going there and going there. Relationship building, when you get to know your kids, when you get to, your kids get to know you, that happens during downtime. That happens during intentional times when you break from the normal routine. And you know what? The normal routine is good. You, you got to make a living. You got to change your oil. You got, you got to cook supper. Kids are going to be involved in some kind of activities. You got to do homework at home. I mean, there's got to be normal routine. It's not bad, but there must be a time to say no to something good 
so I can say yes to something that's better. Now, I'm not going to sit here, far be it from me, to tell you what those things that you need to say no to. I don't know your family. I don't want to know your family. I can't figure all that kind of stuff out. You've got to know in your family what, what are the things that are causing us to be hurried and busy and causing us to run around like a chicken with our head cut off. What are those that are causing me not to be able to have time to do the best things? And you've got to, with a, like a surgeon with a scalpel, you've got to cut maybe even those good things out of your schedule. And I don't know what they are. But I do know they're not best things. They're not the things that in the long run, that when you look back and you're old, that you're, you would have said, well, I, I, I wish that I would have done that less or done that more. There, those things that you will cut out will be things that you're not uh, even thinking about when you get old. I've, I've talked to a lot of people on the deathbed. They're not talking about what a great salary they made. They're talking about that they missed out on some of the best things. They missed out on some of the best things. You know what Billy Graham says? That if he had to do all over again, he said he would preach less and focus more on his family. Good thing, right? He's going all the way around the world, winning people to Jesus. But if you lose your own family, what difference does it make? difference does it make intimacy relationship building happens in downtime. and I don't know how this works out it you know it's not legalistic I, I that I have to do this on this day and I can't do that on this day and you know I grew up in that kind of culture and my, my parents they met they meant so well but we couldn't read the comics on on Sunday and some of you know what I mean don't you now my mom and dad were well-meaning people. And, and, and they were trying to take Sunday as a different day and more power to them because it is a different day. It will forever be a different day because it's the first day of the week and it's the day that Jesus rose on. And it forever will be a different day. But trying to put legalistic things to it, maybe reading the funny papers is the most restful thing I can do all day. I had a pretty sorry life if that's my life, isn't it, reading the funny papers? <laughs> What's good going on in your life? But your schedule is so packed with good that when the best comes along, you don't have room for it. What changes do you need to make in your routine of life so you can say no to the good, so you can say yes to the best? This no is a really important word. And you know what other families do doesn't make any difference. Because you know what your girlfriends will tell you? If you say no to that, they'll tell you you're not a good mom. But you work it out with you and the Lord. And you're not a people pleaser, and you don't care what your girlfriends think of you. And you work it out between you and the Lord. And you and your husband decide what is best for your family, even though the rest of the world thinks you're nuts. And don't worry about what they say about you on Facebook.
I'm trying to tell you today that you say no because it points to a yes. That's a really good no. That's a great no. That's a loving no. And we see this routine all the way through the Bible that God wants us to crank it down. There's other no's in Scripture. Well, probably, probably the most famous, well, maybe not the most famous, but three no's that come in, 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 in one place are when Jesus was in the wilderness before he went to the cross. Excuse me, before he went to start his ministry, he was in the wilderness and he was tempted in Matthew chapter 4. You remember that story, don't you? In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus goes off into the wilderness before he starts his, his ministry and he fasts for 40 days, the Bible tells us. And in Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says that the tempter came to him after he had fasted for 40 days and he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, you know what? If you really are the Son of God, you turn these stones into bread. And Jesus doesn't say no. Jesus just by his word says no and says, you know, it is written that man should not live by bread alone. That's Matthew chapter 4. And that's an example here, <laughs> a really good thing. He was hungry. Bread wasn't a horrible thing. His, his stomach was probably turning knots because he had fasted for 40 days. But you know what? He said no to a good thing. He said no to a good thing. So he could say yes to God. He said no to a good thing because he had something better to say yes to. Nothing wrong with bread. Nothing wrong with that. What a, what a big temptation that would have been. What are things in your life? They're not wrong. They're not sinful. They're not bad. But they're not the best. They're not the best. And Matthew chapter 4 is illustrated for us. Also right there in, in Matthew chapter 4, it, it, it's when he says, you know, turn these stones into bread. And, 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 and he says, no, I can't do that because man should not live by bread alone. You know, if, if he had decided on the immediate, if Jesus had just knelt down and bowed down to his immediate needs, he would have taken that bread, man. Okay. But he looked past his immediate needs. He looked past what was pressing. He looked past what was right in front of his face and was a, a, a pressing need, even food is a need, right then and there, and looked long range to something that was better. It was obedience to his father. And how many times in our own life, how many times in my life, I bow down to the tyranny of the immediate without thinking about the long-term consequences of this. Now, Pastor Nate is going to speak on this uh, in a couple more weeks. But friends, there's a lot of things we can do to solve an immediate problem, but it may not be good for us in the long run. Uh, I wouldn't have 20 pound, extra pounds right here if I didn't have an immediacy problem. <laughs> I have an immediacy problem because I'm hungry. And I want to solve that problem. And so I'm driving home, and it's 4.30, and Sue is going to have supper at 5.30, but man, I drive past McDonald's, and you know what? But sausage muffin really tastes good right now. <laughs> now, I'm not going to kill over and die if I wait to 5.30. 
But how many times do we all pull in and satisfy the immediate, not thinking about the long-range consequences of those extra 350 calories? Parenting. The immediacy of this child who's throwing a fit. That's tough, man. I, I mean, we've been there, and we know that. And this child is, is throwing a fit, and this child w- wants his or her own way. And, 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 you know, only thing, if I give it that child his way, then, then, then he'll quit crying, and the house will be quieter. But if, if I give into that now and not think about what I'm teaching that kid, and down the road, if he's learned at 3 and 4 and 5 when he's 16 and 17, he's learned that he gets his way with mom and dad when he throws a fit then I got real problems down here. And I can't think, three-year-old throwing, I've been there, I know how hard it is. Three-year-old throwing a fit, I've got to think about 18-year-old. I've got to think about what's down the road. What's he going to learn if I give in to him right now? Oh, it'll help me. Man, if he'll help me and stop, I'll do anything. Get that kid to shut up, to be quite honest. But I'm not just teaching a three-year-old something. There's a 16 and 17-year-old that will remember things as they were three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And I can take care of the immediate problem. But forget about the long-range consequences to that. And there are times I need to say no to the immediacy of the thing right in front of me. Because I look down the road and there are long-range consequences to this. My dad used to say this. He says, Mark, you need to look longer than the end of your own nose. We all have that problem, don't we? I mean, I, I, I surely did when I was a kid. Because everything, I wanted it, and I wanted it now, and it didn't make any difference about it. I wanted it now. And he says, Mark, you gotta look, you got to look longer than the end of your own nose. And what was he trying to teach me? He's trying to grow me up. Because people that are... That are that are mature emotionally and spiritually can delay their gratification. I'm 58. I'm looking at retirement in about 10 years. How I wish when I was 20 and 22 and 25 that I put aside and said no to the immediacy of buying what I wanted and started saving then. And if I had started saving at an early age, just a little bit, not very much, 10% of my income, man, would I be in a lot better position than I'm going to be at 68. And the reason I didn't do it is because I, it was the immediate. It was the immediate. Why does, the, why does the average person in the United States have $13,000 worth of credit card debt? They want it now. They don't care what it looks like down there. I worry about that down there. I worry about that down there. Oh. Man, I bet that bread would taste good for Jesus right then. That would have satisfied an immediate need for him. It was satisfied his stomach that was no doubt was starving, but there was a better thing down the road. 
So I say no to the immediate. How's that work out in your life? Mature people can delay gratification. I, I turned in McDonald's on Thursday, friends. <laughs> I, I know where you're at. I don't have this thing wrapped around my little finger. I'm talking to you, preaching to myself and just letting you listen. Short term, it's what Dave Ramsey's of the world will say, you know, short term, beans and rice, beans and rice, no vacations, live like nobody else does right now so I can live like nobody else does later. Live in a way that all my friends are going to say, well, you ought to live a little bit more and live a little bit more. But when you get to be 55 and get to retire early, short-term pain for long-term gain. I'm trying to tell you, there are good and godly things to say no to. And there's always a better yes that's attached to this whether that be time. And you know one of the issues with time, and I found this with women more than guys, some with guys, but more with women. Women, you think that you're just loafing if you don't have anything to do, okay? Now, I've talked to your kids, I know. And you've got to be running around like a chicken with your head cut off. It's, you're not lazy if you just rest. And look at your kid eye to eye and have conversation for three hours. I know that. Is the laundry the best? I know the laundry's got to get done. I know it. You're not being ungodly if there's nothing on your schedule today. You're not being unchristlike if you're not running around today getting a whole bunch of things done. Oh, I'm a, I didn't, I had to feel horrible that I didn't get anything done. But you know what? I spent five hours today in the backyard passing baseball and with my kids. No to the good so I can say yes to the best. I said no to two ministry opportunities this week. Good ones, good ministries. I support those ministries. I'm just not going to be involved in them. I'm just not going to be involved in them. I'm 58 years old. I've got about 10 years of active ministry left. I'm going to focus on what I do and what I do well and what I think God has called me to. I've got a 14 and a 12-year-old that are going to be up and out of my house before I blink, can blink an eye, and I've got to focus on the best. I've got to focus on the best. And that means saying no to some good things. People won't like that, especially in the Christian. I had a talk with Sue before we went into ministry. I said, Sue, I don't want you to be like every other pastor's wife I've known. They think they've got to be at everything. They think people will be mad at them if they're not at everything. I said, I do not want you to be that kind of pastor's wife. But people talk, you know, why isn't the pastor's wife here? People talk about me. Why didn't he involved in that ministry? You know, why didn't he go to that meeting? Why, did, why didn't he support that? Why, 
I've had to say no to good things so I can say yes to the best. The most famous no in all of Scripture came the night before Jesus died when he knelt in the garden. It's Luke chapter 22, I think. If you can put that up there, Amy. Luke chapter 22. And, and Luke chapter 22, right before Jesus went to the cross, he said probably the most famous no in all of Scripture. Because he said, Father, he says, you know, basically, uh, you know, I don't want to do this. Take this cup from me. Talking about his death and the cross. Take it from me. And then he says, but not my will, but thine be done. There's a whole bunch of family stuff that is not my will. But I know it's good for the family. I'd probably rather doing this or rather doing that. I'd probably rather fishing. I'd probably rather at the golf course on a tennis court. I'd probably rather just vegging out, doing nothing. Us guys do that real well, don't we? But when I decided to marry, there were another will or wills involved. That would be God's will and the will of the family. And when I decided to be a husband and when we decided to be a mother and a father, we had to many times decide it's not what we want. It's for what's the good of the whole family. It's what for the good of the marriage. It's for the good of the kids. I see, I see a lot, and I see this in guys more than anything. I see a lot of guys, they get married, but they still are acting like they're single. And I'm not necessarily talking about running around with girls at all. But I'm talking about they just keep their same life. They're, they're, they're still going, you know, still going fishing with their friends all the time and doing this and doing that. And there's nothing wrong with having hobbies. That's not. But let me tell you. When I was, became a man, I put away childish things. And there's a new priority in my life. And, 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 and husbands and wives should have hobbies. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's not primarily about me. And that's why the Bible says in Ephesians 5.21, before it gets talking about all family, it says submit yourselves one to another. Isn't that what family is about? Submitting myself one to another. It's not about always about my will. Sometimes it's about my will. Sometimes it's about Sue's will. Sometimes it's about the boy's will. <clears throat> about six years ago, I got friended on Facebook by my first serious girlfriend I ever had. Uh, I started dating her senior, toward the end of my senior year, and we dated through the first year and a half of college. Dated about 18 months. I hadn't heard from her senior for 30, 35 years. Uh, however, I don't know, longer than that maybe. She friended me on Facebook, Leslie Murphy. And it had been kind of cool to know how life treated Leslie. She's a sweet girl. But I said no to that Facebook friend request. Because I say yes to Sue. And I'm not letting anything, any devil come in and do something, even with the simplest little Facebook friend request that could get my mind off of where it should be. And yet so many husbands and wives 
still have old boyfriends and girlfriends in their contacts in their phone. It's not your will. It's not your will anymore. When you became a man, you gave up childish things. And that means saying no to some things. Do you know how many adulteries have started by a simple Facebook request from an old boyfriend or girlfriend? Do you want me to start talking and naming names? Facebook's not a bad thing. A Facebook request from an old girlfriend's not, it's not a horrible thing unless it could possibly be used by the evil one to take me away from the best thing. What I've tried to say today is that you say no so you can say yes. What I've tried to say today is you say no to good things so you can say yes to the best things. And if we say yes to everything, we're too frazzled, we're too hurried, we're too busy, we're too stressed out to say yes to those best things that will come along there must be margin in your schedule there must be space in your schedule you must not bow to the tyranny of the urgent and the immediate because there's long term consequences when we do that we must think down the road And there's many times in the family that I have to say no to my will because there's a greater will here. There's a greater will involved. As our servers are coming to the table, I'm thankful that Jesus said no to his own will because in some way that I can never understand, he had me in mind. 2,000 years later. He looked farther than just what was happening on that one evening as he was saying, take this cup from me. And he looked down to all the Mark Athertons that would be in the future and said, that's the best. And I can't imagine that, and I preach that poorly, but I'm thankful that he did that for me. And he did that for you as well. And we remember his death on the cross, which is a payment for your sin every single Sunday at Xenia Nazarene. Let's pray. Father, I think this is a really important topic, and I'm sure I did a lousy job of preaching it. But teach us, teach us what good things need to go and we need to say no to so there's room for those best things. Teach us the Christ-likeness of saying no. In Jesus' name, amen.